0: That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.
1: Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts, thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I ask that you be with this group. I ask that we be raised up in your name. I ask that your words here, Lord, will not go in vain, that we will get clarity into your word, Lord, and we become ministers of action. Lord, I ask that you bless every member of this group that they may be able to, Lord, to do what you call us to do. I ask that you cover us in the full armor, Lord. I ask that you bind every spirit, every spirit of deceit, every spirit of distraction, every spirit of, uh, that is against you, Lord. I ask that it be moved away from your body so that we may be whole and partake in your word together in union. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, today's um, study is going to be on pride stinks. That's what we are going to call it. I've been doing a lot of research on this, and um, I've even had to evaluate myself with a lot of things because, um, you know, it's one thing when you try and get into God's Word and you deal with pride. And, And, you know, if I have pride with me, It's just something that will keep you from really getting into the Word of God. Your spirit just won't be ready to receive a lot of things that we need to. So we have to make sure that when we study, when we take in God's Word, when we converse with each other and, you know, we study, that pride doesn't stand at the doorway, you know, because it really is the very first sin. It's the sin that Lucifer committed before he fell. You know, his pride got in his way, and down he went. So... And and more importantly, you know, the Bible makes very clear that God hates pride. He hates it. He doesn't even, it doesn't even matter if you even look proud. You know, God's offended by it. So, you know, that's something I've been working on myself with this week. And um, it, it's tough, you know. It, it's tough when you don't even realize that you're doing it. You know, you may feel strongly about something and you may feel right and... Man, when pride is at the door, you just can't receive it. So, I want to open with a few scriptures. Um, let's see what we got here. Uh, let's go into Psalms, uh, Psalm 10. Psalm 10, verse 3. you know, I think that pride itself is a much bigger sin than we really give it credit. You know, because when we get done here today, hopefully we can show that it's really the core problem behind a lot of things that we do, just about every sin. You know, if, um, if the other um, sins are like the right hand, then pride is definitely the jab that sets it up. Okay, so uh, we'll start at verse 3. Uh, Psalm 10, verse 3. Everybody here? Mm-hmm. Alright. For the wicked boasteth of his heart's desire and blesseth the covetousness I mean, the covetous, whom the Lord abhoreth. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. So, you know, this is again speaking about God's dislike for it. You know, and the Bible says that he resists the proud. And um, it really carries into a whole bunch of things. Like, for example, if you were to... um, We'll take Peter's case, you know, in Galatians when Paul said that he withstood him to his face. You know, Peter's pride was he was an Israelite and he felt like he wasn't supposed to associate with the Gentiles, even though the Lord knew that, you know, that teaching was supposed to be different, that we're all supposed to be good. I've even seen in many cases that they're going around now in a lot of these um, churches where you'll find a lot of black groups, you know, African-American groups, They will go around and tell everyone that they are the real Jews, you know. And, um, you know, I've tried to really understand it. Some of the points they brought forth are interesting, but it has nothing to do with Christ whatsoever. Even if they're right, so what? The Bible says that Jew and Gentile, we're all the same. We're all the same under Christ. But a lot of these groups will preach things, and uh, one of the guys that I know very well, He talks a lot about, um, he doesn't believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, you know. Um, One of the reasons is, is because he's trying to prove somehow that Mary and Joseph were black. So therefore, Christ is related to us. And somehow that's just supposed to be, um, you know, uh, it. But if they can prove that, that Christ's mother or Christ came from the Father then somehow there's no truth in that. And I just think it's ridiculous. But this is where pride lays at the door. Even if there was some truth to some of the things that were said, we have to be clear. We have to be whole. We have to do what the Lord calls us to do.
2: And we can't be bound to this world. So that's just an example. You know? When people start forming Scripture to their viewpoint, whatever that viewpoint might be, that's where it leads to error. Absolutely. It's, they're reading it through a lens.
1: Right, of their opinion. exactly. So, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, you probably have never heard of these groups, but it's growing, you know, so much so that even the government is trying to use this, you know, with, um, you know, having late night shows on TV. I've had people come to me and, you know, you hear about police shooting a black guy or a white guy or something going on. Now, I know that this is something that the media is really promoting. But as Christians, we have to be outside of that arena. You know, when people ask me, well, what do you think of this? You know, um, a white guy came in and shot up a whole black church, you know, and I'm like, well, I just think a man just killed nine people. I mean, what do you want me to say about that? You know, but, you know, if you're tied to this world in any way, you'll get pulled back in. You, it, you can't be born again and be tied to this, you know, because you definitely can't go to heaven a racist. Well, you can't be within the kingdom of God a racist, so that counts it up. Um, I want to go into... Um, There's probably, only one race. That's right. And the Bible makes that very Mankind. clear. That's right. Let's go to Hebrews 6. I mean, I Hebrews, Proverbs 6. Yeah, I just, you know, when you're a child of the Lord, you don't even deal in that stuff. So you don't even deal with who's going to be president and why it matters, you know? that the important thing is that we have one Lord, He's Christ. If the people that are running this world are not conforming to what the Word of God says, then we have no bearing in that. That has nothing to do with us. But doesn't the Bible
2: say that we're the human race? I mean, I don't see it making any... I mean, it makes specifications as to tribes, but not as to race... Right. The human race is the human race. Right. We all say, "Oh no, we're you know the world or the Illuminati, whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. tries to differentiate the human race into subcategories to divide us." And
1: and that's been a tool that's been very effective. I mean, in dealing with this stuff, you gonna say something? Oh, okay. All right. Go to Proverbs six, verse sixteen. Now, these are um, six or seven things that the Lord hates. It's six. Well, it is seven. Uh, It says, These things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be with swift, oh, yeah, that be uh, swift and running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies. And he that soweth discord among brethren. But you know, you notice the first thing on this list is a proud look. I mean, you know, the Lord is so adamant about it, you can't even look proud. You know, when you think about him being the king of kings and the lord of lords, and then you go to Philippians two, and he mentions that although equal to God, found it not robbery to um I mean to be equal, but he, he came as a servant. You know, the way to God's kingdom is down. And I'll tell you, pride, it really does sit at the door of a lot of things. When we commit several sins, pride is at the door. What's right for me, what I feel good about, you know, I choose not to believe this because I believe that I have an understanding of the scriptures, even if they don't even say that. Have you ever spoke to people that were dead wrong, but they knew that they were right? I mean, you know, and they will fight you tooth and claw just for their truth, when really their truth is bound by emotion, you know, with how they're feeling or what they just, you know, they believe is right. I don't know if anybody has any questions with this, but if not, we'll move on. Um, We're going to go into, uh, let's go to Isaiah 14. I wanted to get into, because pride definitely started with Satan. I mean, he's always been the influence behind everything, I mean, when you think about it, if Jesus called him, Satan, a murderer from the beginning, then that means they're talking about, now, you know, Satan never physically murdered anybody. I mean, he did murder Job's family, but if they said he was a murderer from the beginning, that means that the story of Cain and Abel had something to do with Satan. His influence was definitely there, even though the Bible doesn't mention it. But it was... was, Satan that made Cain, you know, um, upset, you know, and told him, well, you know, in your pride, you can give the Lord what you think is good enough, where Abel gave the Lord what he asked for. So, you know, you even look as far as that, and you can say that even Satan influenced it. If he was a murderer from the beginning, now, you know, angels in heaven can't kill one another. Angels can't die. There's no record of Satan killing anyone in heaven. So what are they speaking about? They're speaking about at the beginning of man's existence, in in time. You know, he had an influence there. So Isaiah, uh... 1412. Yeah. You guys there? Okay. Uh, These are the five I wills of Satan. This is what the New Age... I mean, this is pretty much their, uh... Five Commandments. (laughs) You know, if you will. I mean, everything that they believe in is right here. I mean, and you can add Genesis 3 to this. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did which didst weaken the nations? That tells you right there, he had an influence with the nations. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregations of the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Now, this is a created being of God that pretty much had it made in the shade. You know, um, Ezekiel 28 really explains how he was, you know, when it said the anointed cherub that covereth, it mentions it twice. One, he covered the throne of God, but two, he also had a type of government that he ran there. I believe, honestly, the way the Bible describes it, there was no angel above him. You know, a lot of people may make the argument for Michael and all, but the Bible never describes Michael the way it describes Satan. You know, perfect in wisdom and in beauty, you know, having all things. So I think that when we deal in pride, it's definitely of Satan. Because I don't think that man has a reason to be proud unless he's pushed there. You know, unless he's forced to, I mean, not forced, but unless he's shown things that makes him feel better than anyone
2: else. It's not too hard for us to go there, though. It's, <laughs> not. it's You know what I mean? It's true. We have a... It's true. I mean, a when it comes to, to slip right yeah. into that one. Oh, yeah. When
1: it comes to the influence of being um, proud, like I said, it's, it is easy to tick off. You know, you could just have a presentation and a little kid will come up and say, no, you got that wrong. And the kid is right. And you'll stonewall the kid. You know, like, well, hey, stay in the child's place. You know, and I mean, well, was the kid right or wrong? You know, but this is just so hard for people when they deal in this. Now, Satan, a created being, is saying that he's going to be like his creator. You know, a little of that lives in every single one of us. If it doesn't now, it has at one point. You wanted to be like God. You didn't feel like anyone could tell you anything. You know, you've got the answers. Who do you answer to? You. Now, we may not say this openly, but if you ever notice when um, Matthew 7 gets misjudged, where people will say, um, or misunderstood, when it talks about judge not, lest ye be judged. You know, that whole chapter is speaking of hypocritical judgment. It means that if I committed the same sin as Sarah, then I can't tell Sarah how to live her life. I can't tell her right from wrong. But what you hear today is, oh, you can't judge me. Only God judges me. We're all judged by this word regardless of what. So when you hear that judge not lest ye be judged, that is the most popular saying for a sinner or a Christian that's not living right at the time. The world even knows that verse. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's they, true. They're
1: willing to throw it around. <laughs> oh, yeah. Word <laughs> for word. I mean, they're like, well, judge not lest ye be judged. You know, but did you keep reading about the speck in his brother's eye or the beam in yours? You know, um, it is tough at times when people correct you. I know there's times in my life where, you know, even sitting up in here, you know, trying to make a point and And um, certain things are said and I have to think twice about it. And, it, you know, pride can jump in the way. And that's why I apologized last week, you know, for whatever, because the Holy Ghost can't deal in an atmosphere like that. But, you know, if you're really born again, if you're into the Word, I do believe you can tell people the truth, but you don't argue with people. If they choose not to receive it, then let it go. You know, it is what it is. You know, okay, you don't believe it or whatever the situation is. I mean, you may go that extra step if they're willing to go there with you and you'll say, okay, hey, look, here's where I can explain that this is true. But once you realize you've been stonewalled and you're dealing with a strong man that's there and he's not willing to budge, then you have to wipe your feet of it. You know, one of the other reasons why we're meant to bring the gospel to people is for all to hear, but for those that don't, it is a witness against them. It's not just, you know, uh, they'll receive it. These are people that if you do what the Lord says on Judgment Day, there are a lot of people that can never say, you never brought that to me. No one's going to blame God at the end of this one, you know. His His judgment, it's going to be just. It's going to be understood. It's going to be fair, you know, even if we don't think so in our fallen nature. But then it says here, uh, down in uh, 15, Yet thou shalt be brought to, down to hell, to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee, and consider thee, saying, is this the man that made the earth to tremble and did shake uh, shake kingdoms? Now, you know, um, person is probably a, a better translation than man. A lot of people like to use man there, but if you look in the Greek or Hebrew, um, person is probably a better one. But the Bible says even with all his splendor and all that he's done, you know, God has brought him low. And he's going to do the same thing to the people that think that You know, they live in pride. You know, where is your God? We're going to run this. No one's going to stop us. It's almost like the Lord loves to get people in that situation. And I'll tell you how drunken pride is, is that there are people telling you when you're in error where you're going. Hey, man, you know, you need to slow down. But you know what? At that time, I don't know if you've all been there, but you feel invincible like, man, I know what I'm doing. What are you trying to tell me? You know, I know what I'm doing. You can't tell me. Hey, look, I got this whole thing figured out. But sure enough, when you hit rock bottom, you know, then it's like, yeah, you know what? I should have listened. Now I'm in a bad situation that I'm going to have trouble getting myself out of. So, you know, one of the things to recognize why I jumped on this is pride is just something that really needs to be recognized. You know, and I struggle with it a lot. When you know a lot of things, you think that you know it all. You really do. And I mean, you know, it's just that feeling you get when you prove someone wrong. It should be, you know, praise the Lord, we've all got this clarity. Instead, a lot of people have their chest stuck out. Yeah, told him not to mess with me. If he wants to come on back, I'm going to dissect him with this. You know, and, and when Satan gets you in that place, you really lost. You didn't win, because the way to God's kingdom is down. I don't know if anybody has any questions or whatever so far, but... Um,
3: no, it just made me think of something kind of funny. Yeah. You know, Greg is always like that, obviously. He's like, so quick to get involved in the middle of a fight somewhere else. Like, if you see somebody's fighting or something's happening, he he'd be pretty quick to get involved, but... Not in this, you know, like you guys are maybe going back and forth here. Mm-hmm. It never I, it never really done on me now that he's never really kind of stepped up to wanna to learn and um, you know, be able to say something too. Uh,
4: how
1: much so. of the word does he know though? Does he know quite a bit?
3: I feel like Is he knew, I don't know, I feel like he knew quite a bit, but he'd surprise me in his answers, like we were reading for a while. Um Scripture and I said, okay, you know, after we read the chapter, you know, let's go through and, and talk about it. And he would had full knowledge. Like I was, I thought he was like looking, googling it to give me an answer because it was so good. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I was like, well, keep it came on in. You know, I was like, I didn't think he understood it very well. You know, mm-hmm. but um, so, anyways, I just thought it was interesting. That
1: no, it's true. I, I mean, the, the, a lot some
3: people they they're. They're willing to jump into certain things, but not um, not into the word, you know, like they're not willing to challenge himself when it
2: comes to I could get into a fight with Greg anywhere we went. Paintballing, <laughs> camping, yeah. walking down the street, yeah. But this is, don't yeah. you think
3: it's odd? This is the one thing he hasn't really, you know how he'd be kind of like... He oh, doesn't he feel challenged.
2: confident in it, that's why. I,
3: I, Maybe you're worthy, I don't know, but that's the mm-hmm. one thing he's, yep. he avoids,
2: I
1: yeah, This Yeah, this fight really scares a lot of people. You got pastors that will teach in front of a whole congregation that's, you know, pretty much are going to listen to anything that he says, but he won't engage anyone on the streets. This is a fight that a lot of people won't get into, you know, for whatever the reason is, I try and tell people, you know, this is the real fight, you know, my dad, you know, he's been in the NAM and have uncles in the Korean War, grandfather and everything, and You know, they all said that this fight was greater than what they had experienced there. Because one thing they've even learned there is that God and Satan walked the battlefield. Okay, they've seen some things that they couldn't explain. You know, that only they would know were were possible. You know, just being there and seeing it physically. Like a guy running through to save another guy. And they could clearly see the guy shot six times. The bullets, there's no way the bullets should have missed this guy. They whiz through the trees and everything, and this individual, you know, makes it there, and he has nothing, he's not even marked. You know, my dad said what was crazy is that um, he um, would say Psalm 91 every day before he went out to battle, and he said that the um, officers that were following him and doing so, they all returned. None of them were killed. None of them were hurt. But the ones that didn't that thought it was nothing, most a lot of them didn't come back, so you know um I don't know if anyone here reads psalm ninety one you know but if I were anyone here, I'd memorize it because that is the lord's battle prayer i mean that that deals with sickness you know and and all types of attacks you know i, I it's been beneficial to me since i've uh, practiced i mean or you know said it every day or whenever I get the chance, I have not been sick in about four or five years. You know, when I was sick, like, probably every winter. So, you know, I'm not trying to get anybody to believe in anything here that's on, you know, like, oh, you know, the boogeyman or whatever, but, you know, this is the real thing. You know, we have to know that this war is real. I think why a lot of men, um, you find most women engage in this war and not men, is because it goes back to men being proud. Some men don't want to be caught with a Bible in their hand, you know. Some men don't want you to pray for them in public. Some men feel like, you know, they feel like this is some type of um, sissy thing, you know. And, and, you know, I kind of blame a lot of the churches for that, too, because, you know, they paint this picture of Jesus as like, you know, this guy that floats around with a flower in his mouth and he just wants to touch you and caress you and squeeze you. When the Bible says that our God sits on a throne of pure fire, you know, he's nothing to be laughed at, nothing to be sneezed at. When you look at the words of Jesus, I mean, you know, you look at the things that he said, Jesus was what you would call a man's man. I mean, if there were even a mafia for what he was going through, man, they would have all tipped their hats. This guy took the torture and didn't rack anybody out. I mean, he was a man's man. He knew what he had to do. He came and he did it. Not his, his emotions weren't ruling him or anything that he dealt with. Jesus carried through with everything. He should be everyone's hero. When you go into the Old Testament, you know, and you look at the things that Jesus has done, he was that pillar of fire. He was that cloud of smoke. He was that rock, you know. He was that man that drew his sword and got ready to go into battle in Jericho in uh, Joshua 5. I mean, when you think about it, wherever Satan was, Jesus was right there to meet him halfway. How awesome a God is that, that he is willing to be there. You know, everything that he wanted us to do, he wasn't just this God, you know, serve me and, you know, everybody obey me and give me what I want. He said, no, I'll do you one better. I'll get down there in the battle with you. Oh, dying on the cross? I'll do it first. I'll put myself in flesh and face all types of humility just to be able to show you, one, how much I love you, two, I'm a God, not just of words, I'm a God of action. I mean, uh, you know, and, and that's what I think with a lot of men in these churches, they don't address those areas that would make you proud of Jesus. I mean, if you know Jesus, you don't even think about the X-Men. You don't even think about any of these other guys. He was a real hero in history, all through it, you know, that did all these magnificent things. He had the gentleness to heal, you know, or to see through people, you know, and, and, and tell what was wrong with them. He was outspoken. You I mean, what an awesome God, and he's going to come back one more time to clean it all up? I think more men need to know about Christ, and they'll humble themselves before him. But as long as they look at church as just some type of, you know, just beautiful setting and, you know, this Sunday school and you got to say brother after everything you say, you know, I can't stand, like, a lot of ways um, the religious type of talk. You ever see those guys in church? Uh, amen. Everybody here, amen? Oh, amen. Do you talk like that any other time? So why are you pulling that now? You know? Oh, brother, amen, praise the Lord, amen, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, amen. I mean, are you saying all of that? I'm not saying you can't love the Lord. But what I'm saying is there are some people that are so religious in mindset that their speech changes just to try and show others how holy they are. You know, but when you get into who Jesus really, truly is, there should be more men to flock with him, to him. But that idea of him is just not promoted. It's just not promoted. I mean, how awesome he was. He stood there in the fire with the three Hebrew boys. He did all these awesome things. And it's like, you know, the most you'll hear about it is, you know, he died for you. And then you celebrate him on Easter, you know, Sunday morning, you know. And I just think that it needs to really get back to who Jesus really truly is. If you know him, you have no choice but to love him. If you believe in his miracles and all that he's taught, you will totally believe that he will be with you no matter what's coming our way. We've got to be strong in him. You know, if you go to Job and the um you know, the uh when uh, the Lord said, Have you considered my servant Job? Now Job lost his whole family and everything like that. You know, all these things were taken from him. But Job, you know, um, you know, it even proves how much how much power Satan really has. Because with giving permission, Job lost his whole family. He lost his whole flock. He lost everything. And while we haven't been, been touched, day after day, if the devil comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy, and you're still here at the end of the day thanking the Lord for another one, that means you're walking in the grace of God. There's no other way to say it. And that's something sinners don't even understand. You know, they think they're here because of, you know, they're that much more intelligent. It's not their time. You know, people really need to wise up and see who the Lord really is. Oh, let's go to Ezekiel 28. Sorry to like rant and rave, but you know, when I think about the Lord, I just get really excited about Him because, I mean, there are so many ways that we hurt Him and things that we don't do that He calls us to do that if we really had His heart, you know, we really have real understanding as to who he is. I mean, you look at um, Hosea, you know, and the Lord told him, you're going to marry a whore, you know, because and she's going to have kids, and she's going to run away on you, you know, and then she's going to come back. It was the Lord really trying to let us know, hey, you want to represent me? You got to know what the Lord feels. That's the only way you could, uh, you know, relay that message. Here in Ezekiel 28... Uh, We'll start at uh, verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. This is describing Satan. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. Now, you know, if he was in the garden of God... That shows that he was there even before Adam and Eve. You know, that raises a whole series of questions, even concerning, um, you know, uh, the Garden of Eden. I've been doing um, some research, and I'm not exactly sure on it. But, um, you know, when you think about the fact that the cherubim were placed on the east and the west gate of the garden, you know, and you think about the fact that Adam and Eve fell and they were kicked out of the garden, you know, I really believe, and I'm not exactly sure yet, and I'll tell you where I get this, but, you know, there were some in the occult, and I don't believe in much of what they say, but I do think that they have some truth concerning things, but they claim that the garden was like this place that connected heaven and earth, that it was like a gateway to some to some degree or a dimension that they were in. Now, um, the reason why I'm kind of um, wondering if it's somewhat true is because the amazing thing is the Bible talks about that the Garden of Eden was placed between the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers. But there were two other rivers that used to run there that don't anymore. Okay, it's interesting when you look up the plain of Shinar, where the Tower of Babel was built. And if you look upon those lines of what Nimrod said in Genesis 11, that he would, um, you know, get his way back into the heavens, and they were going to fight against God. You know, I'm not sure, even though I'm I'm looking a lot of this up, but it, it could be possible that the Tower of Babel was placed exactly where the Garden of Eden was, which is why Nimrod knew that that area was a was a way to get back to God. If you look at Babel. It means confusion, but if you look at it too, I think in, um, I'm not sure which language it is, but it's Bob L, you know, Bob means gate, and that's why if you look at a lot of these swamis and people from other religions, you know, they're always Baba ba something, you know, but Bob, that Bob means gate, that L means God. Now, was it a gate to God? I don't know, but you know, um, I really believe that that was his mission that that's what he was trying to do. I mean, if anybody has any questions on that, we can discuss it. at not, we can keep reading. You fine? All right. Um, yeah, was thy covering? The sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, and the jasper, and uh, sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold, the workmanship of thy taverns, and of thy pipes, uh, was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created, thou art the anointed cherub that covereth and have set thee so thou waste upon the holy mountain of God, thou hast walked up and down upon this, i mean up and down in the midst of the stones of fire, thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee you know um when you look at this, I mean he must have been. I mean, an awesome creation. The fact that God even says, if you look at, um, you know, it talks about that he was wiser, you know, perfect in wisdom. Most of us don't even know what that's like. I mean, how can you be perfect in wisdom? That means that you are all-knowing. That means the only one that knew more than you was God. You know, and this is what, and, and I believed that when you read this scripture, that this is anguish coming from the Lord when he said, you were the anointed chariot, you know, he's running over all the things that he made him to be, you know, but um, Lucifer turned on him. But when you look at the fact that in many cases we've done the same thing, you know, it makes you wonder if, if this is his faith, then that should be anyone who walks in pride. Because, you know, when you walk in pride, you don't acknowledge the Lord. One of the biggest issues that I've had was when people would tell me, um, hey, you did good, you know, or you know so much about this. At one point, it was kind of hard for me to say, well, hey, you know what, praise the Lord. I thank the Lord for having these things. You know, it it really does take some humbling because when I would hear people say it, I wanted all the wisdom to myself. I love to hear, you know, well, yeah, you know, oh, they said me, oh yeah, well, I do a lot of study. You know, uh, you know, so this is how I know some of these things. But, you know, when you become God conscious, pride really does have to step away because Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. So when you look along those lines, you know, there's no place that pride can play. There were people that I have brought to the Lord that have come back. And, you know, I used to hear them say things like, "Um, yeah, you know, the Lord showed me so much and I'm, I'm where I am today. And, you know, that used to irk me. Because I'm like, okay, you sat up in here for four years and learned from me. but now you're going to say the Lord taught you this? Well, you know what? They're absolutely right. Because the Lord picks a body, he puts his voice into it, and he carries it out. So, you know, I wouldn't know anything that I'd known that my students had later learned. You know, but it's just about getting in that place where there is no pride, where that has to step out. You know, you have to acknowledge the Lord in everything you do. Everything you have. It all belongs to Him. Yeah. yeah. Um, anybody got anything to add? No? Alright, we'll go on to... Um, I think it's verse 16. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned, therefore, I will cast thee as profane of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings, that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. So, you know, again, you know, this is the Lord, you know, I believe it's anguish that you're hearing here when he talks about what he did for Lucifer and how Lucifer turned on him. You know, as as believers, It's easy to come down this road. I know the first time that I learned, um, you know, a little bit about the Word of God, I would always be so ready to run and defend the Lord and tell people about the Lord and, you know, get into all these little battles, you know, things that don't mean anything. You know, along with growth, we really do have to mature. You know, pride is a serious issue concerning most sins. You know, it's that serious a deal. It is truly that serious. And um, there's another part I want to go into because I believe that a lot of the times when we're filled with pride, I think we went over this one time before, but man without God is a beast. He is a beast. You know, he does not, if he's not God conscious, then it's only a matter of time before he becomes, you know, all into himself, you know, might being right, everything that he can have, you know. So let's go to Ecclesiastes um, 3. Really silent crowd tonight. I'm kind of missing Sue and Laura, you know. (laughs) Uh, three it's a short book not very long (laughs) I mean the bible just describes pride as just being this you know really ugly thing Okay, um, we're going to start at verse 16. 3.16, everybody there? All right. And moreover, I saw under the sun the place of judgment, that wickedness was there, and the place of righteousness, that iniquity was there. I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, For there is a time where for every purpose and for every work I said in my heart concerning the estate of the sons of men that God might manifest them um, and that they might see that they themselves are beasts. For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts. Even one thing befalleth them, as the one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have uh, all one breath, so that a man hath no preeminence above a beast, for all is vanity. You know, um, Solomon talks a lot about vanity in this this, uh, book, but you know, when you become vain, it's easy to imagine a lot of things about yourself that aren't true. Solomon relates it as being a beast. That you're no different than the animals when you're like that. Why? Because you're not God conscious. You know, you're not conscious of him. We take credit for so much. We don't even have the credit for the breath in your body. You know, so that's what he's referring to there. Um, Let's go to Daniel 4. Well, this point will be hit again. Okay, we're going to Daniel four fifteen. this is about Nebuchadnezzar when he um you know this is after he built the um tower or he built the image and he was um you know um rebellious against the fact that Daniel said that his kingdom would fall you know so he tried to uh you know build the image of course um But Daniel is telling him a prophecy concerning him, so I'll start from um, 4.15. Nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass, and the tender grass of the field, uh, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beast in the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from a man's and let a beast heart be given unto him, and let seven times pass over, speaking of seven years. This matter is by which, I mean, uh, this matter is by the decree of the watchers and and the demand by the word of the holy ones, to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up in the basis of men. So, you know, this is talking about pride. You know, Nebuchadnezzar was, at this point, the mightiest man of the earth, all right, before his empire was taken out by Persia. But um, this is what he had to be reduced to before he can start to believe in the Lord. See, the Lord only simply made him what he really truly was. He might have walked as a man. He might have spoke as a man. But when he wasn't God conscious or his heart was away from the Lord, he was a beast. That's what we truly are. This is why people like to engage in, you know, a lot of illicit, you know, sins and things like that. This is why they have no problem with this stuff in their conscience. Because a beast doesn't think about what he does either. You would think a beast doesn't even acknowledge his creator. He can just go and do what he does. And I mean, who says that, you know, dogs have to get married? You know, who says that one dog stole from another? With them, might is right. And when you live in pride, that's exactly how you will walk in in, in, in this world. Look at the people of this world. They're called beasts because you can't argue with a beast. You know? When they want something, they take it. What they feel is right, hey, stop me. If you can't stop me, then I'm going to do what I'm doing. So what I say is right. I make the rules. You know? So, um... That's just something that we need to um, look at in ourselves. We'll jump down to 4.33. In the same uh, chapter. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, and did eat grass as oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown like eagles' feathers, and his nails like birds' claws. And at the end of the days, Nebuchadnezzar lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I prayed and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as no thing, and he doth according to his will, in the army of in the army of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand. None, yeah, none can stay his hand, or say unto him, What, th- what doest thou? That same time, my reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my lords sought unto me. And I was established in my kingdom, um, an excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise the extol in honor of, king of the king of heaven. All whose work are, works are true, uh, in his way is judgment, and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. You know, so this, if the Lord has to bring you down low, he will. You know, we've all been there. And I think that his became really extreme is because he was not conscious of God. He thought he was a mighty man of himself. Now, I know that the Lord has changed him, and I believe he's going to be, I believe we're going to see him one day. You know, not in the lake of fire, but I believe that he will be a changed man. I mean, he, he has been a changed man. But, you know, if the Lord can't, you know, pick you up to his level, then, you know, like he said, if you fall on me, you'll be broken. If I fall on you, then I will grind you to powder. So we really have to be conscious of our pride. We really do. You know, and as we get uh, further along with it, you know, we really have to be careful. I think the more conscious we are, the more that we know, the more punishment there is when we do mess up because we are knowing you know, we, we are knowledgeable at this point, so he expects more from us. Um, we could go to Galatians 2 if anybody has anything to say. Or no, I should have just preached. Huh? So, okay. I have a
3: um, so if you're saying that um, when we know better, does that mean that the punishment's going to be what? I mean, we, the consequences are always going to be the same. But what is the punishment? Well,
1: well, what I mean is, it's like he, um, if you give an example of Moses. You know, now Moses was, I mean, he spoke to the Lord face to face, and he did all these things for the Lord. Now, he let the people upset him, you know, I mean, what he did wasn't easy. But it was almost like the Lord still expected more from him because when the Lord said, you know, point at the rock or touch the rock, you know, and the water was supposed to pour from it, or he was supposed to speak to it, Moses got angry and he struck the rock. Now, you would think something like that would be like, you know, okay, he got mad, Lord, give him a break. But because of that, the Lord knew that his time was done. The Bible says that, you know, um, like, Lord put the Lord, you know, um, uh, Moses put the Lord on display. Like, he not embarrassed him, but it was kind of like, you know, he showed him up. and He grows a picture type. What's that?
2: He broke the the rock was Christ. Right. Moses broke the picture type. The rock was only supposed to be struck once, right? Because Christ would be struck once for our sins. He right. struck the twi- the rock twice, which broke the picture type. That is right. why the Lord was angry with him.
1: So but he, he also did it in anger.
2: He, he broke the picture type.
1: Right. But he also didn't he swing in anger when he swung the rock.
0: Yeah. When he yeah
1: the he people hit the were rock. mumbling. Yeah. Right. So I mean, with that anger. You know, that's what brought um, the Lord to say, you know, well, he couldn't, you know, go into the promised land. He may see it, but he couldn't get there. Now, we, both, we all know that Moses was saved because he wouldn't have been on the Mount Transfiguration with Elijah when they went to go, um, you know, they came before the Lord. But what I'm saying is when we get to a certain level, I mean, think about this. I mean, Lucifer, look at where he was. Look at where he was when he fell. And there was no second chance for him. He fell because he was in the presence of the Lord. He was there. You know, at this point, you're supposed to know. And I believe why, you know, even when those angels fell in Genesis 6, why they were bound and not given another chance. Because at that level, you're supposed to know more. You're there in the presence of God. And I also think that adds emphasis to Hebrews 6.4. Like a lot of people doesn't, you know, they don't feel like it's supposed to mean that. When you go to Hebrews 6, 4, and it talks about once you've tasted of the heavenly gifts, and you perform miracles, and you've done all these things, that if you should turn back, like refusing the Holy Ghost after you haven't, there's no repentance for you. So I believe that's exactly why, you know, when we get to a certain point, and I'm not trying to say that the Lord is not merciful. I'm not trying to say that the Lord will not give you chances. All I'm saying is, is what the word says. When you've gone to a certain level, and I mean, this is even proven with the angels. Why weren't they able to apologize and move on? They were not like us. They were knowledgeable. They were in the presence of God. You know, Adam and Eve, they were innocent to some degree. The Bible never says they were made perfect in wisdom and and beauty. They were made perfect in the image of God. But they still had to learn some things. They had to be taught. You know, and God's love, the fact that he encapsulated us in flesh, that's the mercy of God. Because if we were spirit beings, then he would have had to damn us forever. You know, so that's his mercy upon us. You know, so I don't think he holds you responsible in your ignorance. Thank God, because I'd be gone now. You know, there's no way in the world that I would have made it. You know, because, I mean, even things I still don't know that I do that, you know, he's taking
2: me from. Hebrews says that God winked at our ignorance.
1: Hebrews 6?
2: No, Hebrew oh. says that God oh, winked yeah. at our former ignorance. Right.
1: Absolutely. You know, because he understands if you don't know, then I can't, you know, I can't blame you for it. I'm sorry, it's Romans. Romans 6?
2: No, Romans chapter 2.
1: Okay. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's one of the things is that, um, I don't know, if that, did that answer your question?
3: Yeah, I mean, I had just had this conversation with my mom uh, just the other night, how I feel like sometimes <laughs> I feel like I'm being punished over and over for the same crime. Um, and then you try to look at it as, okay, well, why would he allow me to feel that way or, you know, to have these things continue on? um but then i guess you can look at the lighter side of things and i thought well maybe it was because at the time that i did it i kind of knew that i probably shouldn't you know how we see the red flags and things that we do but we choose to ignore them because it feels better to just ignore them and
1: deal with them absolutely yeah and mm.
3: so i mean i could, i could say that going back to my first marriage i'm like oh my gosh i'm just I feel like i'm being punished over and over again because of uh, you know, but then I had two kids that I that I can't look at them as a punishment all the time. I have to look at them. You know, they're good kids, but you know, there's just uh, so much that we go through that we can. I, I tend to look at the negative because that's what we deal with. That's I feel like that's the um, that's my punishment. you guys know what there's I'm gonna there's What it is is I, that it, it,
2: there's there's consequences whenever we do. Right. like it, it, it's the same thing in real life if, if, if you expose yourself to radiation um, in a radiation plant um, today well many 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 years from now that might come to fruit in in a form of cancer that you know even it may be 10 15 years down the road but it's, it's going to be a result of choices that we made. But
3: see, then there's people that say, well, it happened for a reason. You met this person for a reason. Because I'm like, why would I have to be tortured by meeting this person and being with this person forever? Right. And then there's that. It's like, well, he, it had to been for a reason. Why would God want me to be, you know, what what's the reason? I, I got a great, mm-hmm. beautiful son out of it. But why? why? Well, we have
2: freedom of will. I mean, it's not always God's... We don't We don't always perform God's will. Yeah. We can't just do something and go, it was God's will. Well, I asked exactly. God in the
3: beginning when I met Greg, I'm like, is he a blessing or is he a, you know, a distraction? Because I was trying to find my faith then. And now, you know, I kind of still ask the question, I'm like, what was he for? <laughs> you
1: well, know? you know, the... the well, I believe, you know, I'm not going to say the truth is, but, you know, like Dan was just talking about God's will, um, I believe that there are a lot of chapters in our lives that we opened that we shouldn't have, that have nothing to do with what God desired us to do. You know, we do have that free will, but that free will is just governed by, I believe, you know, God's will, or it's, just, it's supposed to be. God's providence, right. maybe. So there are things that when we open those doors... You know, I'll give you an example. Um, in my life, you know, my ex-fiancee and I, we were, um, we were a pretty good team in terms of relationship. You know, we did get along, but where we separated was, I believed in the Lord and she didn't. You know, you're going to have some problems there. You know, even yeah. though I, um, she was um, a very attractive woman, you know, successful. And we had all this stuff in New York. And, um, you know, when we came here, you know, and I tried to get closer to the Lord. I could tell like it was making a division between her and I. But, you know, she took me to hell and back. You know, we went through so much all because and my family was telling me, hey, look, you know, this girl doesn't even believe in in the Lord. She blasphemes him and says all this stuff. How do you make that work? But, you know, I believe that I could win her to the Lord. But I look back on it now, I don't believe that that was the Lord's plan. I believe that his grace carried me through it, but that wasn't the plan for my life. That was the plan I chose outside of God's plan. Now, you know, I do believe that God's plan, you know, um, he does have a plan for each and every one of us. And that's what they mean by predestinate. I know a lot of people that are Calvinists believe that that means you have no choice in what you do. I believe that if you do go according to God's will, he's got this for you. He's seen the end. This is his plan for you in his kingdom, or what he desires. But if you so choose not to, then you have the alternative, which is dealing with the world outside of God's kingdom. So, um, you know, your thing with your marriages, were either one of them governed by the Lord? Mm, No. I mean, uh, they... Well,
3: Chris, I don't think he... If anything, this is the weird thing with with Chris now, I was too young. With JP, no, I mean he he was a, raised a Catholic and you know mm-hmm. believed, but um, but I think it was the, you know with Greg, I was trying to search the faith that I was in, which was the Jehovah's Witness religion, and um, he, I felt like he was. I, that's why I asked, was he a distraction or was he a blessing? Because he was pulling me out of the religion and kind of enlightening me. And um, oh, I, I didn't it was know like that.
1: I didn't know that that was one of the things he did, but I'll tell you. Um, um, somewhat, I mean, not as a true Christian a, himself, right? Uh, he was yeah. just he, going he, against the job. He, yeah. he <laughs> was
2: raised Seventh Day in Venice. He knew that Jehovah's witness was mm-hmm. not correct, but he wasn't. You know, I wouldn't say he had a head knowledge of of God, but not a heart knowledge. Right.
1: right. you. Gotcha. No, I mean, that makes sense. I think that um, even with him, maybe the Lord was trying to use him. To show you that maybe the Jehovah Witness religion, you know, wasn't what you should have been in. See, I, I think like at times, this is where, you know, we talked about last week, emotion playing a role in, you know, God's plan. You know, the difference between sensual, soulless, natural, and spiritual is that, and this has happened to me. So, I mean, I, I feel, you know, what you're going through, but I think that... um when you come before the Lord or you, you, know, you, you meet people and they may have some advice for you or they may help you out you know that might just be simply what the Lord intended for them to do but because we look at things like you know what because that person's bringing me so much truth because that person fed me when I had nothing and they allowed me to live with them I think that this is where I'm supposed to be instead of saying hey Lord even in this situation is this what you desire for me? Because if not, show me before I even decide to deal. You know? So I think that, you know, uh, emotion, again, you know, it opens a lot of doors. And, and I think that's not really where we're supposed to be thinking with the Lord. You know? If you see someone's hungry, you feed them. You know? If you see someone um, doesn't have a place to live or he's not clothed, you know, you house him. You know, you give him clothing. But it never says that you're supposed to have some deep affection towards the person or do whatever. And I'm not saying be robotic like you can't have any feelings. I'm just saying in God's plan for everyone, we really got to be careful. Yes, the Lord's grace will give you beautiful children out of a situation. But it, it never was the plan for his life for you. Maybe it was. Maybe this was to make you stronger. Maybe it was to get you to rely solely on him. You know, like the Bible says, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. In Psalm 27, you know, when people forsake you, God will be your husband. And then when he feels that you're, you know, ready, he'll give you, you know, the person that's going to be there for you. You know, but he needs to fix us. A lot of the times, like, I used to worry about when I'm going to find the right woman when I'm not even the right man. And I'm not speaking of, you know, (laughs) I'm just saying like me, but I'm not even right to even be in a situation with someone. So I think at times he likes to separate, to elevate, Mm -hmm. get us together. Maybe Greg will be saved. Maybe he will be fixed. But let the Lord work on him. Perhaps he was here enough for seeds to be planted, you know, and maybe someone else will water those seeds or whatever will happen. But, you know, I would let him come to the Lord. You know, if he does, let the Lord work on you. Let him get you where he wants you to be. I mean, you can't go wrong with the Lord, you know? There were so many things we thought were so important up until you actually got it, and then you're like, you know what? I could have done better. (laughs) I could have been elsewhere. This was so important to me. Now that I got it, I'm trying to get out of it. So, you know, I think we open chapters sometimes that were never intended to be open, but God in his grace, he can take a bad situation and he can make it good. You know, I believe that your blessings will come. I think he might just be trying to get your attention. I think that's all he wants is caring, focused on him.
2: I think that until you him. fully do focus on him and, mm-hmm. and make God your God and not Greg your God, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, not to be rude, but no, you you're really you're. over have a tendency to over-focus on him. Mm-hmm. And that's the place that God wants. God wants to be everything. That's right. right. That's right. He's a jealous God,
1: and I mean See. he has a righteous... Um, jealousy, a godly jealousy towards things that we make our gods, and Dan brought up a great point, because a lot of people think in order to worship another god, you got to run the Buddha you got to run the Krishna, you got to run the any of these other gods, but you whenever you take something that means everything to you and that's when you invest your time and energy you make that thing your god regardless of what it is You know, so I think that that, That's correct, that Maybe the Lord just wants your attention
2: And I really believe that Sometimes when you finally do get rid of Whatever that was, whenever you finally You let go, okay, God, I see I've been wrong, God will sometimes give those things Back to you, but Mm -hmm. it's I'm not I can't make you any promises but it's not until it's not until we let those things go yeah. and I, I know you've heard that stupid saying you know let it go or whatever mm-hmm. with the love thing but no this is for real and sometimes when you let things go mm-hmm. then God sees that they're not this high priority in your life and God will give them back you a lower place right. in your right. life but that's up to God you, you got to right. go it's you God that's it's, right. you. it's
3: it's a weird thing cuz we <laughs> Well, you know, the whole thing, situation, like I said, and he was coming here, you know, I thought, oh, is that the answer to my prayer it was for him, for you to tell me, oh, he needs to come to Bible study and sing with Brittany, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I was just getting to the point where I was done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, so he comes, and then, um, you know, it's just been this ongoing, every time I give him a chance, you know, I feel like that he does something crazy, and I'm like, oh, why do I do this, keep going back to this? Um, behavior and it's not even going back to the house. It could be just going out. We tried to go get a doorknob for the the house to sell, and we get into a big blowout. It's the same arguments, and I'm just like, why? It's just it's like a. So I'm like, you know what? Clearly, we don't meet eye to eye. I told him this, and we like, we let's just be good parents for you know for Jacob. Let's be friends. But it's still the uh, so then that happens. We don't talk for a couple of days, and all of a sudden it's the. Good mornings, good good nights. The text, and it gets back into just talking day to day, and then now he's asking, "Oh, I got tickets to the concert." So I'm like, oh, "Where is this going?" I I just feel like it's this, it's this oh, stringing along, yeah. yeah. And I'm, it's wearing me yeah, out. It's almost literally been a year, and I'm like, now I start a new job, and and this um, it's just been a really weird week.
2: The best beh- the best predictor of. <laughs> Future behavior is past behavior. Is past oh, behavior. Yeah. Yeah. If you just so I just don't keep know doing the same things, Karen. You're just going to keep getting the same results. It's the right the beginning of insanity. So what it, it feels insanity. like. I feel like it's just like, nuts, you just a circle. Have, you know, you're going to have to just be tough and, and 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 make a decision because you're just stringing both of you guys along. Right. It's, uh, it certainly oh, hasn't been healthy for you. No. And and yeah. I don't believe in in. So Evangelism, dating, or or, or dating to save people. That's not what God calls, God calls us to be equally yoked to other right. to other right. believers. I mean, that's right. I just don't,
3: you know. I wanted to do. I just wanted to do the right thing. If God wanted him to come to the Bible study, and if you want, know, all right. Well, then I'm fine with that. But
1: well, did he have an issue with coming here to no. listen? Because maybe that was the focus. You know, and I'm not saying that that was the reason, but maybe. He was just supposed to be here to listen. And, you know, somewhere towards the end of the night, hey, I'll see you later. You know, because if he didn't have a problem in coming here and hearing, then maybe that should have, and I'm, look, I'm not trying to come between a husband and wife. I'm just saying that maybe that should have been the focus. Maybe he would have eventually gotten something from this. I didn't tell him. I
3: never told him not
1: to. come. I thought you said because Brittany was coming, you told him not to come two weeks ago.
3: Like well, I, yeah, and that time I told him, you know, it oh. might not be a good idea
1: just because I wanted Brittany to come, and I know Brittany didn't want to see him. Right. I mean,
2: I, I don't think you understand... No, I, I, I won't even pretend because, to. Right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, Greg's motivation for sometimes coming, me, I mean, he will often do something with the, with, in the past, and he just does nothing but criticize the Bible group, what they're speaking of, and and he's not mature enough to really be making. It. Look, it's like the, the old saying, you know, you're never going to find the, the perfect church. And if you do, don't join it. You'll wreck it. Yeah. As, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. he, he has a way of finding fault in every Everything. single um, church. Doesn't matter if it's church or a Bible study. You see, that's people. pride.
1: Because yeah. how would you guys all Either. look at him? <laughs> no, Craig doesn't Christ have, any pride. <laughs> that's doesn't that's have
2: that's any pride the, issues. He's oh um, got yeah. pride written all over it's
3: like, And he just doesn't
2: know enough about Scripture to be making those. Those calls, really. Right,
1: because how would he react if you guys, if he did, you know, say something, and you're like, oh, wow, you know? Maybe he feels belittled by it, and that's why I believe the truth of the Lord really has to come out to touch people. If you knew what kind of man, you know, God, Jesus was, man, I mean, that should be every man's role model. Yeah. I mean,
2: seriously, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um... No, Greg is... uh, I mean, I was best friends with him for years. I mean, he's not... I don't think that his real motive is... In finding God right now, I I, I know God can find him and reach him, but.
1: um. Right, and I think the reason is I mean, you know, maybe the Lord is just separating you guys right now. You know, obviously there's things in your life that you're not happy with, but I believe He's got a plan for you, but you gotta give Him that time, you know? I mean, every time I even think about Dan and Tracy's story, I mean, come on. I mean, if the Lord's got something, if He can turn that around, that should inspire anybody. To want well, to be, that kind of gave, gave
3: me hope. I was like, well, okay. But
1: we're boring hope. now, Karen.
2: <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> we're boring now.
3: Oh, right. Yeah, I see.
1: <laughs> but um, what was the fact, if you don't mind me asking, that when you guys came to the Lord and changed, I mean, were you? was it because you guys came together? No. Or did you guys have some separation before
2: everything? We started? were separated for a year. Um,
4: Not separated. We were separated because we were in two different we both, so, went in, we both
2: went right. into Christian recover Christian discipleship programs, Right. and um, I was a Christian, fallen backslidden to sin, the prodigal son, mm-hmm. um, um, living like that for years. Um, I was faking being a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> See, now that's honesty, because
1: I because mean, yeah, if you know you're not that way anymore, you can be honest with yourself, you know, and say, "Yeah, that was but me." I tell you, know, you I what sit what in I,
4: those church pews going to Bible studies and even teaching, <laughs> um, those seeds were planted, and that's where I had that little bit of faith that I heard. Mm-hmm. That, just that tiny
1: little bit of faith is what got me. And that's why Find I think, out. like, even with the separation, like, they had a, you know, partial separation for whatever the program was they were doing. I think the Lord it's may be year. trying to <laughs> do the exact same thing for you. You can't be in fire, you know, and expect to get What's the word I want to say? I can't even believe I said that without an ending. But it's like you can't be on fire in fire and expect to be, you know, free. Mm -hmm. Two things on fire can't turn each other off. You know, they can't put each other out. And I don't think the Bible
2: tells her to divorce, but it does say separate. You know, if you're willing, if your if your husband is not willing, I think you have the right to separate from him just on some of the things he's done. You have the right to at least separate. For, you know for the time being well, according you, to first corinthians he'll
3: tell you oh no i'm not i'm trying to make it work you know whatever but um i just think that his thinking is um not normal but it doesn't you know, give you the right to
2: reseek another spouse and there's there's right. a lot of clear teaching that paul has laid down for um yeah. what you should do in this situation mm-hmm. it's there if you want to read it i mean, I can yeah, I think Jesus
1: reference. talked about um, what they call the exception clause is about the only uh, reason you can divorce except it be for fornication, which is a broad word, you know, some people think fornication just means um, unfaithfulness like cheating or, you know, um, sex outside of marriage or whatever, but it involves adultery, sodomy, um, I mean, Eating. a whole list of things, homosexuality, yeah. Mm-hmm you know, so there's a lot that goes into that, but um, I mean, I just think you need to give it to him give it to the Lord you know, let him deal with it the fact that you're arguing with um, Greg a lot it could be just like the Lord did with Pharaoh he hardened Pharaoh's heart just so the children of Israel can rely on him so they can see that God was that great maybe, you know, that separation is coming because the Lord wants it to be and if he wants it to be, it's going to be so, you know, if you want to Get better with Greg. I think you just need to separate. You know, let the Lord deal with it. Maybe you're supposed to throw up your hands in this situation and give up. But maybe that's exactly where He wants you. He wants you desperate and focused back on Him. I agree.
2: You would ask me a question uh, or us about what exactly God has bolted back with Christ, and I have to say that it was God got a hold of her first, Mm -hmm. and I was still off living. I wasn't even in the pig pen yet. I was off living and what I was doing still, I still mm-hmm. had some of the father's money in hand. <laughs> but it was her being tough with yeah. me. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was him <laughs> yeah. telling her to be tough with me and say, no, you know, I'm going off to do this Christian program and eh, you can do it to your thing, whatever, mm-hmm. I'm done. I'm done living like this to make me stop and go, wow. Because I
4: had always been I, very codependent with him, and I had never, I, I mean, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So for me to do that was like, I feel
3: like that's what I've
4: become, codependent.
2: Yeah, well you are, you're dep- really, you definition of codependent.
3: <laughs> it's <laughs>
4: gone on for a year, right? <laughs> but a, see,
1: that's where that's the It's Lord only marching. because I kept
3: trying to go back and believing, thinking, oh, you're gonna well, have to get he's, tough, such, he's a just, very good, talker. And <laughs> and when you go back sure. and you think, oh, everything's good because he'll tell you so many things. I mean, he can put on such a good show. Oh, he, can, he knows He's, he's got he knows, around his yeah. finger.
1: But well, what is Jesus does Jesus say? You it shall know them by dead. their fruit. <laughs> right. You'll know them by their well, fruit. A, a tree is known by the fruit that it bears. you know And, but,
3: and then he argues, I, I tried to say something, then he's, that was it. I was like, well, here you talk like you want to do this and all that, and I want to come to Bible study, and then a week later you're drunk as a skunk and then I find you at a strip club I'm like oh, oh but then I'm not supposed to judge oh what you never do this you know? that's so not at all what the word says
2: read Matthew chapter 5 of course we're supposed to judge our brothers yeah. so said, we're not supposed to judge the world I said world. I'm not
3: you know, trying to be perfect I'm not a perfect person either mm-hmm. I'm not trying to judge um, I just thought we were going to try to be less hypocrites for him you know for God mm-hmm. trying to do the best, the best thing together doing it together You know, and I find myself having to explain everything, but then I think the last argument we had, it's almost like everything that he apologized for suddenly slips out. You know, it was like, oh, I was just talking to her. It wasn't like I was doing anything. And, and, you know, it's like, well, that was uh, just, you know, there's just so many little things. And then even comment about the Bible study. Oh, what? so I can hear them ranting back and forth with each other. Ha, ha, like it's a big joke. So I'm like, clearly you don't take anything of this seriously. None of the apologies were sincere. And you've See, just been, I don't know why he's wasting my time. So then it makes me feel loony because I'm like, ah, why am I why, keep doing this?
1: <laughs> that's why I think the Holy Ghost was working on me. And, you know, I blame myself in that situation because Greg spoke about what he saw. You know, and and what was going on here with us, even though we understood he's, it wasn't personal.
2: Yeah. He's spoken like some, that for every Bible study he's ever been to, no, though. No, no, I no, mean, no, this no. is this is there's nothing new. This. this has happened ten times before yeah. this. It's always something, and there's never been contention in any of the previous Bible um, studies. It's just he won't agree with, you know, repentance he, or just any issue he might pick out. There's the not a day
3: that goes by that he does not complain constantly about work all day long. It's always somebody, always something, always, you know, and that's a daily thing. That's the only conversation you can have with them is if you complain. I mean, I couldn't even, I asked him to come pick up, he came to offer, uh, to drop off some tacos. He's trying, that's his way of working back in. Oh, i can like, in, but mm-hmm. drop you and Jacob off some tacos. Okay, well, mm-hmm. while you're at it, do you mind taking some garbage? Because my parents don't have garbage service. And <laughs> take the, um, shampoo that his owners, um, had loaned us that I had over my parents, and, uh, and then a big container, but that was it. He comes in, and he did nothing but in, you know, just basically kind of complain about it. Like, oh, my day off, I didn't know it was gonna be this much, a little garbage came, you know, with this, we ended up being this much. And and right. he, you know, he, he makes you feel like, when he, he leaves, you feel like, oh, gosh, such an inconvenience, and you're like going, oh, well, you're so strong, Greg, that's how you have to talk to him. To, Make him feel like, oh yeah. I well, See, that's why
1: it. that's why I You're said to you to like a couple to get him of months ago. to do something,
3: something without making you feel like crap
2: for
1: doing. Right, but that's grassy. why I said to you a couple of months ago when we talked about this, and um, I said, you know, you may have to take some type of loss. You know, you can't be bad, and, and that's what it means. Like even with us in the world, when it comes to the world, Satan can always hang over your head, your job. He can always hang over, you know, your finances. He can always hang the roof over your head. But when you follow the Lord, and you believe that he'll provide these things for you, Satan has nothing on you. You see, and he knows that you might be dependent on him. He knows that you worry about pulling on your own. But if God becomes your father, he's really, or Jesus Christ is really your husband, then he's going to provide for you. And see, that's something someone like Greg would hate to hear, is that Karen is now independent of him. Mm -hmm. Karen is now relying on the
2: Lord. You, you just—you gotta hold on to the things God puts in your life loosely. It's just a house. Who cares? God takes it away. He'll give me somewhere to live, whether it be in a tent I, in the forest or I was, somewhere or whatever. To that
3: house. I well, it's not the a, house even. Yeah. For you,
2: it's Greg. For another person, it yeah, might be their yeah. money. For another person, it might be their job. Mm-hmm. God will give me another job. God will provide. That's whatever right. it might be, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's—it's it's, for you, it's Greg, and mm-hmm. it's that thing that you know—that's—that's that's what you're holding on to tightly to.
1: I mean, the Lord is fighting you on this. I mean, he wants to be number one in your life. He totally deserves to be. You know, you look at what happened with Nathan. Nathan told told David straight up. you know, you killed this man for his woman, and I would have given you anything. That's what God was telling Nathan. You went that far when really all you had to do was come to the Lord. So, I mean, you know, the Lord wants to be first in your life. It's the same thing here with Satan. He made him perfect. And Satan spat in his face. I'm not saying that's what you're doing, but what I'm saying is he deserves your attention. He deserves it for real. You know, he made you, you wouldn't be what you are today if it wasn't for him. You know, he pulled you out of that religion that you were in, you know, you got your life on track, you know, and it, it's getting there. He deserves your attention. If he can do that much with you partially paying attention, imagine what happens if you gave him all your attention. You know, I think you'd be home free. So, you know, I think with that situation, we just, you know, you need to give it to him. Seek him for real. Because Greg can't help you. Nobody can. Nobody here can help you. You know, it's only the Lord. He's the only one that's going to pull you out of this. And I know because I remember times in my life, man, there was some dark hallways, just me, not knowing if I would be delivered from a lot of these situations. Situations I went through, I shouldn't be alive. But you know how things happen. The Lord pulled me out, and it's—you got to humble yourself before Him. You got to, you know, it was nothing that you could do. Give it to Him. You know, let's go to uh, Galatians two, two, verse eleven. We'll be all right, Karen. You gotta trust Him. Uh, this is a story with um, just right. before, right after Corinthians, right? Second Corinthians. Twenty-four yeah.
2: Ephesians. Yep. I'm sorry. Two what? Um, Eleven.
1: No matter of fact, you know what? I'm sorry, guys. To do this, let's go to Luke. This is this is a bigger of uh, Luke ten. I'm sorry. No uh-huh. problem. Like the Spirit leading me back this way. Luke ten, let's go to verse seventeen. Says, and the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us um, through your name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, why did Jesus say, you know, it, this almost sounds like it's off the subject. You know, when he uh, mentioned Satan and they were talking about casting out devils, I think Jesus noticed that they had become very proud because they had some of the gifts as far as casting out devils. He was pretty much telling them, what I see in you, I once saw in Satan. You know, and that's why he says later on when you look at this, when you go to, uh, uh, let's see, uh, 20, he says, Notwithstanding, and this rejoice not, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So he's trying to get them back to simplicity about being glad that the kingdom of heaven has come to them because they're able to cast out devils. Not to be focused on their might or them feeling like they've gained something. So he's letting them know, cutting them right at the chase, I beheld Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Where Satan was supposed to be up there, you know? And I think, like, you know, we just have to really avoid pride. We really got to humble ourselves before the Lord. You give it to him, man, casting out devils is no big deal. You give it all to the Lord, you become one with the Lord, he becomes one with you, and your mission is over. You know, a lot of people feel like, man, I just got to do this and I got to do all of that. No. You know, the Bible says fast and pray because that helps us. It strengthens us. But the thing is, is that once you become one with the Lord, you give yourself to him. He places himself with you. The mission's over. Now you're going to do what the Lord calls you to do. And you're not going to have any problems with it because your thoughts will be his. We have to have the mind of Christ. When you have the mind of Christ, dealing with relationships, marriages, whatever it is we're dealing with, you know that you'll have his wisdom. That's what we're all missing is his mind the mind of Christ you know people talk about what would jesus do that's great to remember you know some of the things he do but you know become one with him you don't have to figure this out because your will won't be your own i mean not your will but your thoughts you know you're going to think like him you're going to be you're going to do what he would do so you know get closer to the lord become one with him and the only way to do that is we have got to kick Pride to the curb. It has to go. It has to go. I mean, I, I you know, that's something that I fight with, but man, you know, it has to leave. Whenever you feel like you're off track, whenever you feel like you're you know it all, whenever you feel like you can't learn anything new, get rid of it, because the Lord may take you over things over again just to show you something you might have missed. You know? Humble ourselves before the Lord. You've got to get rid of pride. You know, that pride of, hey, if I do this, you know, um, perhaps that opportunity won't be here later. Whatever it is that we're trying to do. You know, you've got to subdue that. Pride is a huge sin. Because if you're proud, you can't be taught. You can't be shown anything. God can't talk to you. You're too busy thinking for yourself and relying on you. Trust in him. You know, I don't know why the Lord put it on me to speak of pride this week. You know, I noticed it didn't really seem really popular. Everyone wasn't as active in it as they were, but maybe the message was for you. You know, but we have got to kick it to the curb. We've got to get rid of pride. You know, anybody have any questions or anything? You sure, Jake. Get good. it? Not All right. You know, so um, no, it's almost nine o'clock. We can end it with one scripture. Uh, Let's go to uh, let's go to Luke sixteen, verse thirteen. There, mm-hmm. all right. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold on to one. I mean, on hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon, meaning money. And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they uh, and they derided him. And he said unto them. Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were unto John since that time the kingdom of God is preached, and every man uh, presseth into it. And it is easier for heaven and earth to pass than one tittle of the law to fail. Now a lot of people think this means, um, you have got a lot of people that bring this stuff up because of their pride, mostly the people that want to push you back to the law. They believe by that, that that means that God won't make any changes, you know, we should still be doing other things as far as the law is concerned. This is not the law of the letter he's speaking of, this is the law of the spirit, meaning obeying the Holy Ghost, all the things that the Holy Ghost wants you to do. You know, this is not about... I mean, I would I would say that this includes the Ten Commandments, but as far as out there sacrificing a bullock or, you know, uh, making sure that you observe the Sabbath and doing all... These people don't even understand that the Sabbath itself was Jesus, you know, but people want to bring people back to, oh, you need to be doing this. Oh, is that pork on your plate? Oh, you should be doing this, you know, and they'll try and push you back to the law into bondage. But these are people that are proud, that, that don't even acknowledge the work that the Lord had done. They want to do it through their own works. So that's another place that pride so this is... This um, is
2: exactly where I was misunderstanding you. So, oh when, yeah, in let's our go. contention, What I was hearing from you is that... or Today? What I, no, no, no. It, it, at the beginning is that I thought, you were, I thought you were saying that we're saved by the law. And I was. that was my whole contention, is that we're saved by grace. But what you, I understand now. What right. you were saying is, we don't have license by being saved. You weren't saying that we're saved by the law. I understand that now. Oh, okay. But that is where I had some contention with you. Oh, no. It, it, do you understand why? Right, I get what you're saying. I, I was trying to draw some stuff out of you because right. I was not hearing you correctly. Right.
1: Well, see, yeah. praise the Lord. We got clarity now, you know, because <laughs> it's really about the law of the spirit. You know, it's not the law of the letter. The letter you, came No, but you were, you, what
2: you were pushing home was that um, licentiousness is not a Christian behavior. But that's not what I was hearing for some reason. And oh, gotcha.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was basically talking Romans 6. you know, like And the other thing 18... that was
2: through me was one of her comments about... And I think I still disagree with it, but that's okay. What's that? Was that um, on the repentance issue, that there was a sin that she hadn't repented of and... and she and so she felt like that she might not go to heaven if she hadn't have repented of it, and I think I still disagree with her respectfully though. It's, I feel like there's probably some sins I forgot to repent of, and oh, well, I so still you. feel like I'm saved. So. Well,
4: and that's me too. You right. know, um, you know, I'm, I know that there are certain sins that I have forgotten to repent of, but I would say I would do my best, and I'm not saying like for every sin that you commit, like. Right. She brought up an example about if you said a car short or whatever, work one morning. I don't think you're going to go to hell over that, but I believe what the Bible says about certain sins that you do commit, that if you're not called to repentance and you were to die then i believe that yeah you would be if like he said if you were taken the, that Are you talking sin, about the you, sin unto death or
2: yeah. you know, we're talking well, I about i think that's our, calling you home early but that's just we're talking
1: know, about revelation 21 oh, okay you know, right where it yeah, tells you right. the list of those who are going but yeah. they don't repent yeah. so um, yeah in any
2: sense it's a really good idea to keep short accounts that's for sure you know but you i think, think
1: you know there yeah. are things that i haven't repented of that the holy ghost did bring to my attention Oh, absolutely! I see, know, he still so, brings right, things up to right, me from years ago. Right. I'll go, I, you know, but but I'll, I think no, that no, once no, you're no. changed, <laughs> I
2: keep thinking of right. more. I don't think I'll
1: ever get them all. Right? You know I, mean? I believe once you're changed, <laughs> I believe that the Lord will—he'll um, <laughs> reveal a lot to you. But He doesn't hold your past sins against you. Right. You know, so mm-hmm. that's what I mean. But if you sin, it's just like the woman uh, that was caught in adultery. You know, a lot. Of, he didn't say, you know. Let her go. You're lying. Get off of her. You know, he said, go he send no and sin no, no more. more. Right. He didn't say, hey, well, and what try he, not to do it is often, you know. And, and it never another
2: sin. thing, another way you might say, what is sin?
1: Sin is rebellion to
2: God. It, it's sin's Right. It's, it's a breaking of God's commandments. Mm-hmm. He was saying, go on, and, and break the commandments no more. Mm-hmm. It. And it never right.
4: said if she did or, One can assume that she was smart enough not to do it. But those were his stipulations. He said, "Go and sin no more." He gave her a commandment: "Go and sin no more." Really? Is, don't some
2: people say that might have been Mary Magdalene? Isn't that yeah? I have heard that, tradition? but I don't. know. Um,
1: there's no scripture that supports that. No. But I know there was a woman, uh, Mary Magdalene, had seven demons that were cast out of her.
2: You know, um, but, but as a matter of church tradition, oral tradition, I think that that has been been brought up in some of the early Christians' writing. I think um, right. I, I got I've got a book on it somewhere. Red. It was interesting
1: and then it goes to uh, verse 18 whosoever putteth away his wife and marries another committeth committed adultery and whosoever marrieth her that is put away from her husband committeth adultery there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at the gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from uh, the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So this guy was in a really bad state. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. uh, Abraham's bosom is, it's not hell, but it's in the earth in a cavern across from hell. You know. It's um, paradise. Right. So in other words, if you're on that other side in hell, Abraham's bosom's on one side. Between you, there's a huge cabin. So there's no way that you can be able to jump over to that end and be with them. They're all separate. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went into them from the dead, they will repent. See, now this is um, spiritual again versus sensual. Because this man believes while he's in hell that all it takes is for Abraham to, um, to allow him to go and tell the people what he's going through. And that ought to make a difference. But we all know that no matter what you tell some people, they'll choose to go to hell. Uh, And uh, 31, and he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Now, the thing is, is like, again, you know, you think of rich people, you think of pride. These are people that don't think that they need the Lord. This is why we're supposed to take care of people even when they're down. Don't ever think that we're too good for anybody. You know, we really got to do as well. A rich man, you know, he said if they would just bring the truth. Abraham is telling them if they hear not the prophets, there's nothing you can do. So what does that mean? This is our example. For everything that we want to deal with in life, whatever's going on, this is it. Moses and the prophets. Well, this is before, obviously, Paul and Peter and everything else. But this is our example. If we can't find the answers here, the answers don't exist. You know, so this is where we need to be focused. This breaks pride, because if you believe that God is God, then you believe that this is God's word. You believe he's going to have the answers for everything that you need. You know? So, uh, with that being said, I guess, um, unless anyone has anything to add, I guess we can close in prayer. Dan has to go to work. <laughs> you guys done. All right, uh, Sarah, you want to pray? Yeah. yeah, let's go.
4: Dear Lord, I want to come to you this evening, and I want to thank you for another opportunity that we had to come and worship you, Lord, to be filled with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask that everyone who was here tonight received something from your Word, dear Lord. If you had a if they had a question, Lord, if they had been speaking to you, Lord, if they had been begging you, if they had been praying and praying, fasting to hear from you, Lord, I pray that their answers were received this evening. Lord, if, if not, I pray that they would, all of us would say prayer and fasting, Lord, that we would continue to come to you. Lord, that is how we hear from you. That is how you commune with you. Lord, when we come to you before you, humble before you, Lord, on our knees, Lord, as your servant Derek said tonight, the way up is down. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone in this room tonight, if there's anyone who has family members who are filled with pride, Lord, I pray that you would break the chains of bondage off of us tonight, that you would set the captive free. Lord, I pray that you would be with all family members tonight. If there's anyone that is sick, that is hurt, Lord, that has something wrong with them that needs to be healed of them, if it be your will, Lord, I pray that you would heal them. Lord, I pray for those individuals that didn't attend tonight. Lord, whatever they have going on in their lives, I pray that you would touch them tonight. I pray that you would prick their hearts, Lord. Help them to see that they need you before it's too late. If there's any family members in here tonight, dear Lord, that are non-believing, Lord, that are running short on grace period, I pray that you would touch their hearts tonight, dear Lord, that you would help them to see that they need to come to you because the end is coming near, dear Lord. We have to draw nigh unto you, and you will draw nigh unto us. Lord, I pray that you would give everyone tonight safety of travel on their way home. I pray that you would touch their lives tomorrow while they are working, whatever they have going on. Lord, I pray that we would find time during the day to be with you, to commune with you, Lord. We should be giving you our everything, not putting you to the side. Lord, I thank you for all the things that you've done for us. I pray that you would watch over us in this evening. Guide us and direct us, Lord. Lead us into your truths. Build us up every day, dear Lord, to bring lost souls to you. Help us to see that this spiritual warfare is something we must fight. Lord, we must take on the full armor of God. In Jesus' name I pray,
2: amen. Amen.